When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome everybody back to The Basement Binge, and even though I have a cold and I'm a little miserable, that is just amazing to say. It has been way too long since I recorded an episode as school was just crushing my life, but school is over. Uh, I'm on to a new semester, taking about half as many classes, and it's going to be way easier, and I'm excited for the chance to record episodes. It's been a while, about a month and a half since the last episode, and four months, almost four months to the day since the last Transformers episode, which was the binge that is still unfinished. We got to get out the review for The Last Night in Bumblebee, which is two episodes I recorded with my dear friends Matt and Rob four months ago. So you're listening to those episodes this week and starting this weekend as I go and see Puss in Boots 2 Animation Hall of Fave 3, which I'm extremely excited to be starting. What a great way to come back to the basement binge and be recording podcasts again with Animation Hall of Fave, where the beginning of the year of January and February, I get to enjoy some animated movies that are phenomenal. And you get to enjoy them with me. So that starts after these Transformers episodes with Puss in Boots 2, a recent release. And then we're going to catch up as well because almost a year ago, I recorded three episodes on the How to Train Your Dragon series with Matt and Rob. And they were intended to be released during Animation Hall of Fave 2. They were not. (laughs) And uh, those are phenomenal movies and phenomenal episodes that Matt and Rob record with me and they were super fun so those will be released during animation hall of fave 3 as we strive to catch up with some phenomenal episodes i would not be going back into the archives if the episode wasn't worth it so it is so exciting things coming here at the basement binge enjoy this episode as we finish out the transformers binge finally and get into animation hall of fave 3 thanks for your patience sticking with me as i just did this new schedule great things are coming on to the actual episode Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Basement Binge as we continue through Transformers on to the last one here, Transformers The Last Night. The Transformers episode, outside of the first one, that I have been most excited to review. Rob and Matt are making me extremely nervous, though. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have to read this before we get into the episode. Uh, Rob, in our group chat, said something that I'll let the listeners decide what he actually means. Where did it go? Uh, so he's, he mentioned that he just finished watching it, and then he said that his daughter asked him for his real rating, and his pick is Poison. I think we have a new super fan. I think that he was just, you know, being kind of rude. <laughs> 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 Making fun of me a little bit. I'm just kidding. But we'll see, actually, when we get into it. So yeah, obviously Matt and Robert are here to join me again. Thank you both for being here. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. 
I, I'm so ready. Let's yes, this movie is a thing. Let let us let us discuss it. <laughs> let us discuss it. <laughs> oh, I got my work cut out for me. Wow. Okay. Let's just get started with two cents. I'm gonna go last because <laughs> I'm gonna have to respond in my two cents and not just you know. So uh, Matt. I'll let you go first because I kind of already know your opinion, so we'll let a little bit of suspicion run with Rob's, and then I'm, and then I'll have to defend everything that you both say. All right. Um, so, uh, my two cents on this movie, spoiler free, is this is a movie that does not care if you've watched the first four movies. It tries to act like it's part of that universe and even ties things together. Um. But it's it, it retcons its own uh, plot points. I feel even from the last movie, it makes logistically no sense. Characters are completely unlikable. Um, even characters that I liked in the last movie are completely unlikable. They're it, it's just a mess. It is a big contrived mess that I think actually does more to insult fans of Transformers than Revenge of the Fallen. Um, I, I by far, this is for me the worst Transformers movie uh, for many reasons, uh, which I, I'll talk about as we go further. But this is nothing. I, I don't understand how they how they made this movie. I just don't. I, I don't understand how this was conceived, how this was shot how this was written and how any, but like they canceled. We talked about how they canceled Batgirl for $90 million. I don't know how anybody watched a work print of this and said, let's bring this out. It's, it's that bad of a movie to me. Wow. That is wow. All right, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, Transformers last night. This is a movie. Barely. Um, the the just so without giving away much, it really feels like they can't decide when the timeline of the destruction of Cybertron actually takes place. It's very tricky to follow because they they it seems like it just had happened in one movie and then they kind of move that timeline around in other movies. It it's not a spoiler that the, the you know they involve King Arthur and Merlin a little bit in this. You know it's set around the last night. They use a lot of that imagery. And it just occurs to me, like, Transformers itself isn't enough. Like, giant alien robots punching each other and shooting rockets at each other isn't enough that you have to, like, okay, we're going to set this one. Now it involves ancient Egypt. And now this one involves the space program and the Cold War. And this one has dinosaurs in it. You know, we're going all the way back. And now this one has Arthur and Merlin in it. Like, you don't need any of that. Just give me the giant alien robots punching each other and shooting rockets. I don't need any of this other other stuff. But the timeline, every time they do that, you know, Cybertron had just blown up and now these guys are escaping. And yet it was hundreds of years ago. Then it was thousands of years ago. Then it was 30 years ago. It was 50 years ago. Like it just none of it really follows and makes sense. And I don't really particularly understand it. But really with this movie, there's so much that doesn't work and there's so much that doesn't make sense. And yet I find myself not even really caring that like it's just it doesn't make sense and it's bad and it and it's it's so 
bad at executing what it's trying to do that I actually just don't care. Like, it's just like, okay, whatever. I'm sitting here till it's over. Like I, you know, nothing of it, it it just makes it hard for me to get emotionally invested in how bad it is because of how ineffective it is. Um, it just, there's so many things that don't work it watching the, there's a, there's a scene with a submarine, you know, three quarters of the way through it that what really leaps out to me at that moment is Michael Bay makes transformers movies just because he comes up with a series of scenes. He really wants to shoot. He doesn't care how they work together. He doesn't care if it makes any sense. He just make, he thinks up scenes like, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I did this? And so he just goes, well, gee, what can I do to make that scene happen? I'll make a transformers movie. And that's, and that's sort of how these things get made. Um, and it's not good. Harrison, we still love you though. Wow, what a great last sentence. And it's not good. Oh, man. I'm curious, Rob, did any of your kids watch it with you? Uh, yeah, they were they were not into it. They were not into it at all. Yeah. And and I've I've mentioned before that um my son's been doing a lot of my my watch assignments with me and my my daughters have been involved in some of it too. Um they were like asking questions throughout this, like, why is this happening? Or daddy, why is that going on? And I just like, your guess is as good as mine. I don't know. Not only do I not know, I actually really don't care. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I guess it's my turn to give my spoiler for reaction. And what I will say is that I am not going to try and prove you wrong on anything that you just said, because I agree on almost everything that you said, if not everything. Uh, yeah, this movie does so many things to mess up its own continuity. And I remember when I watched it for the first time, this was one of like the first franchises that I got back into after watching movies or, or not watching movies for a long time and then starting to watch them again. And I remember watching all the Transformers movies and being really excited to get to this one. This is one of my favorite trailers for all Transformer movies. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's nostalgic. He, he knows how to make a trailer. It, it's true. The, the trailer, it, it makes this movie look good. Yeah. It does. The Transformers marketing team knows what they're doing. But So I remember being excited about it and then watching it and absolutely hating it for messing up the continuity and not making any sense and just being kind of dumb. And like not making sense within the lore and like the tr- the 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 franchise of Transformers, but also within the own movie, its own self, not making any sense. Like it is just absolutely ridiculous, completely. Yet at the end of it, I loved it, and I was like, I'm going to watch this movie again. Like I am so angry, and I feel really bothered that they would just mess up the continuity. But that was a lot of fun, and I'm sure I'm going to watch it again. And I have since. Watched it many times. Since owning the movie, I got it in like, uh, I got it for Christmas, the Blu-ray, in uh, Christmas of 2020. So since December of 2020, including the time I just watched it, I've watched that movie four times. That's <laughs> uh, So there's something about it that just works. Um, it, it, and I think that it's because I am now understanding it that like this isn't meant to be a sequel to anything. This is just meant to be a Michael Bay movie so that he could do whatever he wants. And he did from like scene to scene. We go in the course of the movie to this isn't spoilers at all, but but we start in the medieval 
England with trebuchets and knights and swords and dark age fighting and a dragon. To the end of the movie, like in the sky, Halo jumping onto a platform of Cybertron and fighting alien robots. Like it, it, it the, the, the degree that this movie has is ridiculous. And somehow just that aspect of ridiculousness is so much fun for me. And maybe it's because when I'm watching the movie, I'm not watching it for a continuity. I'm not watching it for a particularly well-told story. I'm watching it for those moments. And those moments work really, really good for me. But if you try to put the moments together, this is not a good movie at all. And that's the only like defense that I have against it is it's somehow that in that way it works. So that's a really thin defense that I have against the two of you. <laughs> but I'm going to try my best. So this is going to be interesting. Um, but that's all I can say spoiler-free. It's hard not to say more about this movie completely spoiler-free. Um, so yeah, we'll just move on to the next segment, Rummage for the Rotten. And it is definitely not me who is going to be the rotten <laughs> or the person who likes this the least. Uh, I don't know who's... I mean, Matt, previously, when we were guessing what we rated, he previously gave this half a reel out of five. Uh, so not even one. I don't know if Rob's going to be worse than that. So I'm just going to guess Matt. Uh, but I don't know. Rob, you might, you might come back as, as Rob ruins everything. <laughs> I, I also think it's going to be Matt. I don't think I'm going to be far off. Um, Harrison, I actually think your rating will not be as good as maybe the praise you're giving it. I still think you're going to rate it lower than some of the others, but uh, I think Matt will be the rotten. Yeah, I, I had said to Rob separately, I don't think you can dislike this movie as much as I do. So <laughs> oh um, I, uh, <laughs> so I, I do believe I will, I will be the rotten and I actually, I feel myself decomposing already. I'm, I'm so rotten on this movie. <laughs> What's weird is if that's true, I will not have been the rotten on any of these. I don't think yet. Oh, that's right. true. Who would have thought that I, was That happen? is not at all what I thought was going to happen. So that's the most surprising part. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Matt, you're just gonna, you gotta, you're gonna have to balance me out. You know, like I, I was listening to one of your episodes recently where the two of you were on together. I think it was an older episode. I don't remember what it was. And you, and Rob was making a joke about giving a rating for something. Oh, for the last Jedi. And he was like, I'll, mm. I'll, I'll give it a negative three so that you can give it an eight, you know, that will trade reels. <laughs> and maybe that's going to happen here. I don't know. I mean, like, in order for that to work, I would have to think of it extremely highly, and I, I don't think I'm quite there yet. But I don't know. My, I might take this defense so seriously that we might get there by the end of it. We'll have to see. So, on to the next segment: the rating scale here at the Basement Binge. Pick your poison. All about the bingeability of the film. How would you choose to interact with this movie after seeing it? Are you going to be like Matt and never watch it again until your poor friend asks you to? Um, or are you going to stream it meaning it's on a service you're already paying for you're looking for something to watch you're browsing and you would be willing to click on it or rent it in the right circumstances you'd be willing to pay a few dollars or to the top of the list to buy it digitally physically however watch it as much as you would like uh so rob or excuse me matt i'm sure that this is you said earlier on i think it was revenge of the fallen that revenge of the fallen and this one are never watch again mm. is that rating consistent yeah, I if if somebody asked me to watch this movie again, I would ask to trade eyes with Stevie Wonder Ray Charles. And 
So wow, yeah, yeah. My my my, I, I would pick poison over watching this movie again. <laughs> well, knowing that Matt rewatched this, that he endured the poison. Everybody currently listening needs to go subscribe to Matt that goes to the movies if you aren't already. Just because he was so nice to watch it again for you for your entertainment, he suffered. So he needs to get something back. Um. All right, Rob, give me some good news. <laughs> all right so um i what I did you save money sorry? on your car insurance is that what? Yeah. <laughs> sorry i don't think i have good news for you uh so harrison said earlier that he's watched this movie four times so far uh that's three more times than i have ever seen this movie and it's also three more times than i ever will <laughs> see this movie uh never watch it again Oh, oh. And we know you. We know you own the steel book, which is it. It is. It is a sexy steel book. I will say it is. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's really one of the better steel books that have been released. Uh, but what it contains, we might differ opinions on. <laughs> oh man, I will say that the way that these podcasts were going and how in sync Rob and I were, I didn't think that he was going to enjoy this as much as I did. But I thought that that I might get some side of... I, I thought that this is what I thought was going to happen in this episode. That Matt would be on one end and I would be on the other and Rob would be kind of in the middle balancing us out. And <laughs> that is, from what it seems, not the case. Um, so yeah, Matt mentioned that I do own the steelbook of this movie. And I think that the fact that I've already watched it four times is proof enough that I would buy this movie. I know that I'm going to watch this movie again. Like, without a doubt. Um, I started donating plasma as well. And this is going to, I'm going to have to find a way to incorporate in this into Pick Your Poison because, so if anybody doesn't know when you donate plasma, you have to sit there for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, depends on the day. Um, but you're just sitting there and one of your arms is hooked up to an IV. So you can't really move. So they suggest bringing, you know, something to do, a book, a movie. And uh, so I was watching this movie in preparation for this episode, giving or uh, donating plasma. And I was like, this is a fantastic movie to watch while donating plasma. Like, like it's one of those movies that I could see myself queuing up frequently when I'm sitting there donating and I need something to watch. This definitely could be one of those because it's, and here's the reason why. And, and this is why, this is like a great, actually, this is a fantastic, I got to add this to a rating scale somehow because this is exactly how I feel about this movie. Donating plasma isn't long enough to watch a whole movie, especially a Michael Bay Transformers movie. You're not going to get through the whole thing. But you're going to get through segments of it, and you're going to get through moments. And you're not really going to get a sense of the whole story, but you are going to be able to get a sense of that whole moment. And that's great. And that works. And that's what works about this movie is that moment. And that's what I'm like, you know, it's, it's kind of like an episode, so to speak. Like, it's enough that I can get the episode and not the whole season in, so to speak. And uh, this this movie has a bunch of moments that I enjoy that I'm going to watch it again for that. And the thing is, I enjoy each of the moments so much that I don't care how disconnected and how horrible the transitions are between them because I'm like, oh, great. I like this moment too. And I like the next one. And so I think that I'm just really immature and childish and Michael Bay just speaks to me. <laughs> so yeah, I own this movie and I will watch it again. So I hate needles, right? And I, uh, you know, I've donated blood a couple of times in my life. Probably not as often as I should. Go to go donate oh my blood, gosh. everybody, by the way. Like, I am a like, huge yeah, like, supporter of donating blood. I have donated yeah. like three gallons of blood. So please go donate. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Yes. You listening at home, you should go do that. Uh, go or like, go do something else. Go volunteer, do something good. But, um, 
as much as I hate needles, I, I would much rather take a take a needle un like w- without anything else to do than watch this movie ever again. <laughs> I, I'm afraid if I watch this movie while I was donating, I just ask him to drain me. <laughs> just take it all. <laughs> what sign? Take my organs. Not, yeah, not even hit the pause button or turn it off. I'd just be like, you know what? Just just let it stay in. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Run it back. Let's do this again. Uh, it will get to the point where one of the, the phlebotomists will be like, he's lost the will to live. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All the vital signs check out fine. She's just lost. Right. She's just sad and she's going to die because that's how people die in movies. Apparently I, I am. I would be the Padme of the real life transformers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, very differing opinions about this movie. I, I, I gotta say though, that I, that there, cause we're in spoilers here. There is just something about every, and, and that's the best way I can say it. Every single moment just works for me. Like that final fight on Cybertron as things are falling. Like I just, that's just fun to watch. Like not because it makes sense, not because it's particularly moving, not because it's a good part of the story, but because the action's awesome and it's kind of epic. And it like, I've said this so many times before, but it is, this entire movie is the perfect example of Michael Bay playtime. Like, this is I, on one of the bonus features. I was like a producer who said, "We have the best play, best playtime uh, because you open up the toy, toy chest and anything you want is there, and you're playing with all of it." And I feel like this is just Michael Bay in the sandbox, just going from like imagined imagined moment to imagined moment for the sake of making cool action sequences in his head, and uh, just like playtime in the sandbox, there's not a lot of there's just a thin enough line to get you there uh that that again somehow just works for me and i and i it's weird that i can't say it any better than just saying it works for me because while watching the movie i am simultaneously having the time of my life and also questioning why am i enjoying this at the same time but well uh, i'll say i can as much as i do have a dislike for this movie and i'll explain more of that I can completely understand where you're coming from because I feel like that was me when we talked about Age of Extinction. Like, I readily recognize that Age of Extinction has many, many things wrong with it. But at the end of it, I was like, yeah, I just didn't care. I enjoyed that. So my feelings, regardless, I do. I I can understand where you're coming from from that because I do feel like I had a lot of those same feelings for Age of Extinction. Okay. well, then I'm not totally crazy. So. Let's move on to the next segment where Matt and Rob can really rip this apart. Live up. <laughs> Talk about our expectations and how exceedingly high they were and then how the film just absolutely blew past them and astonished all completely and living up <laughs> to our expectations. <laughs> so, Rob, I'm very curious for you because you had not seen this at all before, right? Okay, so not, yeah, what, right. what were your expectations and did it live up at all? Um, my expectations were fairly low coming into this. Um, just based on what we had talked about uh, previous, you know, it, it doesn't get well regarded in all the places you can look up reviews and things like that. There's not a lot of people defending this movie um, other than Harrison. <laughs> so I had fairly low expectations coming into this. Um, I, I would say extremely low. And based on some of the other just wonkiness throughout this series, I already knew not to expect much. Um 
and I, I was not underwhelmed in any way. Um, there was, it did not exceed my expectations because I was like, wow, this is really dumb. Um, and I, and I really just, I'm not invested in hardly any of this. Um, there was actually a point where there's like Anthony Hopkins is a great actor, right? Like he's, he's a great actor. He is just got so much to his credit that he's done. Um, obviously the science of the lambs and, and those films are, are just epic, iconic pieces of cinema. And, and he's in this movie and there's so much that just is terrible about everything. A lot of the scenes he's in are garbage. I actually wrote down, I'm embarrassed for Anthony Hopkins for having been in this. Shut up. I'm embarrassed. Shut for up. Him. Shut up. Yeah. That, that's what he does. Yeah. Not the whole movie. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, really? I feel like, was he, was he hard up for money? Like, did he go through a divorce that he needed to pay for that? I missed like that story. And like, does does Michael Bay have naked pictures of him? Like that, that that's how he's in this. Like, did he pick up like a cocaine habit? He's got to pay off to like, does he, does he have to pay back his bookies? Why was, why did he say yes to this? Like how did Anthony Hopkins read this script and go and, and call his agent and say, book me on this pronto. Like we'll say, I wish it makes me wish I could do a good Anthony Hopkins impression, but I, to, I can't. just speak of Anthony Hopkins. Just so you know, in his own words, this is quote, and I'll send you the scene. If you don't believe me, it's a behind the scenes thing where he's, behind the scenes thing as hard to say fast uh where he's talking about this movie and he says quote about michael bay that he is a great genius crazy director from the word from the mouth of anthony hopkins and he talks about in an interview how he loved the other transformers movies so much like he loved the craziness of it that he wanted to be in one and i mean the scenes aren't great, but I, I will say that to me, it seems like he's having a good time enough so that like I'm having a good time. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I will say I could see maybe the appeal for people doing this because it's just crazy and you don't have to take it seriously. So that might be fun. Yeah, like if I were an actor, I don't care how like a list i am or am not i would want to be in a michael bay transformers movie because that movie experience has got to be unlike anything else like you're you're in a um what was the car that that he was driving i forget a mclaren he's in a mclaren a red mclaren driving through the streets of london in a way that you'll never be able to in your life like screaming at people to get out of the way like when are you gonna have that experience i i don't know i just I can totally understand. And I would, I mean, again, I like the movie, so maybe this is just an easy pitch for me, but, but I would, I would think that it would be. Yeah. So like for me, here's the thing. Does he look like he's having fun? Yes, he does. Um, He's about the only one. I don't really see people having fun on this movie. It seems like a chore. Even somebody like Mark Wahlberg, who I will like say I adore Mark Wahlberg. I, I love him in Daddy's Home One and Two. Like I really like Mark Wahlberg a lot. He looks miserable in this movie to me. I, th- I this movie does this amazing thing to me to make me like absolutely like hate actors that I like. 
in other projects because it they just don't seem like they're having fun. Like Mark Wahlberg's character, Cade Yeager, who seemed fun and I rooted for in this one, I cannot stand him. Like, I don't like him at all. I don't like the new female lead because I think they they don't uh, again, I will say I, I they kind of toned it back on the sexualism in this one a little bit besides the weird scene where her mother's trying to go see her have sex <laughs> with Kate. Um you know, there's 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 that. Um you know, a group of four old women want to run upstairs cuz they think they're you know, cuz it's like having Tarzan in the house. Right, exactly. Um you know, there's there's less of that, but this character is not written to be rooted for at all. I, I just don't feel even the the new um, the younger kid is you know, she in the. Yeah, like she in the trailer was made to be like this big thing and she's comes and goes for long periods of time. It, th- again, like. I cannot overlook the fact that this movie just does not make sense. The government is as stupid as ever in this movie. It's the dumbest they've been portrayed in any Michael Bay movie. Um, you know, even uh, Josh Duhamel, I really liked him. I could not stand him in this mo- like in this movie. It, they just it doesn't make sense. So in terms of like living up this movie again. The trailer, I was like, you you have fooled me before, but <laughs> maybe this will maybe this will work because Michael Bay said this was his last one. Um, hundred percent for sure. He wasn't gonna do him anymore. And I'm like, maybe this will work. Little bit different concept. Ooh, Optimus Prime. Like, okay, let's see what they do. Because I thought the idea of him going to find his makers at the end of the last movie was interesting. Let's see how they execute it. And then this movie bombed on every level for me. So it, it, you know, I wasn't like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. But I was like, all right, maybe they'll go out on at least a decent note. And this movie failed on every single level for me. I I don't. Uh, this is what I'll say, because I, I really like I'm at a loss for words besides saying um, this just like this just works for me, which is so dumb. Like, I wish I had a better way to say that. But I feel like the characters that are really doing the most for me is Anthony Hopkins, um, the brief moment where Stanley Tucci is Merlin. Like, no joke, I could watch just 20 minutes of him. I wish he was in the movie longer. He's so funny to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just extremely immature, but there's something about (laughs) him when he, like, he's riding the horse and he, like, stops. He's like, oh, I'm sozzled. Like, it just, like, like genuinely gets a hilarious laugh out of me. Like, not like, oh, that was kind of funny. Like, like gut laughing. I, I don't know. I just feel kind of dumb saying this out loud, but it he's funny. That is yeah, funny. And like when he that goes to funny. talk to the, and like the, the editing, the way that his editing is like, hello, Merlin, the wizard. Like th- that scene is so funny to me. And so that transformer sneaks up on. I don't know how that transformer sneaks up on him because that <laughs> thing is big. It's tall. It's walking out of that tunnel. And that next shot is so funny because all of a sudden he's scared by the transformer and then he's on a horse. He's not on the horse. <laughs> it looks like he's floating. Um, 
But I, I will say, I just, I watched this last night. And again, like Harrison, like I totally understand where you're coming from. And Rob might know this movie more than you, but I just watched it again. Um, Masters of the Universe with Dolph Lundgren. Oh, God. And that movie's terrible. It's horrible. But I will watch that movie repeatedly because there's just something about it that works for me. I don't care. It's so bad. It's stupid. I love it. So, again, like, I totally understand, like, where you're coming from with, like, this movie just works because, yeah, Masters of the Universe is terrible, but it works. Like, for me, it works. I would watch that again and again and again, even though you could sit there and we could talk for hours about why it's not a good film. This, this is what I'll say. Between Stanley Tucci, John Turturro, uh, the, Jim, the character Jimmy, whoever that is, and then Anthony Hopkins, and then whoever plays Cogman. Between those characters, I am like humorously entertained consistently throughout the film enough to keep me interested. And in between those, even if they make no sense character-wise or location-wise or logic-wise, are epic action scenes. Like, even the opening fight with all the knights, why do they have trebuchet balls on fire? I don't know, but it's epic. Like, there's something about it that just feels epic. And and it's and it's almost like, again, this is because I've watched the movie enough. I, I There's something about it that by the end, it just, like, I had enough fun, and now I just, here's my expectations. I just know what it is. Like, I don't, try to even think about the characters or what they're doing or how it connects to anything else done Transformers. I'm just going to laugh at the dumb jokes because they make me laugh and I'm going to enjoy the action scenes because there's really nothing else like this. Like, name another action sequence like that opening line with King Arthur or opening scene with King Arthur or another chase scene filmed and edited and done the same way that that chase scene is done in London. Or the final battle with just like the cheesiest lines and setups on Cybertron. Like, there's nothing else quite like it. And maybe that's why it works is because I know I can't get this level of ridiculousness anywhere else. And so I'm like, it, 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 I'm more, uh, more willing to enjoy it. Like, I, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to explain, but, but it, there's enough entertainment that I am engaged because I'm entertained, not because of anything else good happening. There's some offsets here. So like when Bumblebee gets the voice box and we're going to hear Bumblebee talk, like using his real voice for the first time. And it's a female voice box. Like that's actually legitimately funny. <laughs> it's like, like Siri that's like, or something, you know? Yeah. Like that, that was laugh out loud funny to me. And then later on, we get the whole bit about being chased like, you know, like there's it's supposed to be like the the C-H-A-S-E-D as opposed to C-H-A-S-T-E. But it's, you know, that could actually be very witty. But ultimately, the whole thing is just very juvenile and stupid. And and when they're like spending devoting all this time to Mark Wahlberg's character, you know, Cade Yeager, which God, did I say this the last time or not? But Cade Yeager is like literally the the most name generated name of anything like you know, just spin the wheel and, and spin two different wheels and come up with a badass name. And like, that's, that's like where that comes from. Nobody in real life is named Cade Yeager. Has, has any, have either of you guys seen the movie due date with Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr.? No. Okay. There's a, so it's just 
his name reminds me of a scene in this movie where Zach Galifianakis' character, um, his name is Ethan Chase in real life, like in the movie, but he's trying to be an actor and he changes his name to Ethan Tremblay to make it like that's his stage name. And at one point, he's like, Ethan Tremblay doesn't make any sense. It sounds made up. And he's like, yeah, I know. I made it up. He's like, yeah, I know, idiot. And it's like that his Cade Yeager, like <laughs> it reminds me like it literally reminded me of that movie, which is hysterical. If you guys it's, have never seen it, honestly, go watch it. It's freaking hysterical. It's something really different for Robert Downey Jr. But um, like it seems like Cade Yeager was made like it's made up when the guy actually has like a regular name that's like, yeah, that sounds cool. But yeah, Cade Yeager is like, who especially who did that? Because he introduces himself as an inventor, not an electrical engineer or an engineer mm. or anything. An entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm an inventor, <laughs> which that makes for some great lines. Like I will say before the the no whoopee, Mr. Cade conversation, which there is a great line in there that I think is hilarious when he's like, I'm saving myself. And she's like, for what? Old age? Like I thought that was. But um, there's this fantastic moment that I never noticed before. So it's when Anthony Hopkins is introducing Vivian to Cade as he is and he's like this is Vivian doctorate of this masters of this like Oxford 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 like mentioning all her titles and he's like this is Cade and it like cuts to a wide shot and the music like immediately stops like not like it just fades out like it in, it draws attention to the fact that it stops and it is the funniest edit I watched it like three times in a row because it just got me laughing so much so there's things like that that, that, that work for me you know, like Anthony Hopkins telling a Transformer that he's an idiot, calling Cogman an idiot because he's playing like the organ. <laughs> the organ to me is so funny. And I really think that it's just because when like, the, uh, yeah, here we go. If, if I if that were another movie that had a level of seriousness that was working to me and the story was engaging and I was logically and emotionally connected to it, I don't think this humor would work. But because I'm so like checked out, I would say in other ways, and because I know I am, when I put this disc in, I know what I'm getting. I think it just puts me in like such a immature, childish sense where I'm more receivable to these stupid things. Like from the stupid humor to the stupid action scenes, I'm more receptive to it. Which I don't know how I got conditioned to this by this movie, because it's really only to this movie. Like, I don't know what it was en- enough. That- like I'm trying to remember the first time I watched it. There was something about it that I was able to like it enough to watch it again. And I think watching it again that that second time conditioned me to it. And now I just, it's like one of those guilty pleasures. Everybody in the Transformers universe who isn't a main character is an NPC because none of them have any recollection at all that Transformers exist. Like the first movie completely insults your intelligence. The second movie continues it that Oh, no, even though there's all these giant alien robots smashing through major cities and things like that, they pretend like it didn't exist. And then this movie wants you to believe that the Transformers were have been here for a long time and they fought in World War Two with us. And like, yes, it is kind of cool to see those period vehicles as Transformers like that is kind of cool. But the insinuation that they actually fought in World War Two and helped turn the tide and nobody talked about it like there was no enemy combatants that were like, you know, general, we got our butts kicked by these giant humanoid shapes that came out of the tank. Like that didn't make it into the press. That didn't make it in, like, I don't know. Just those kinds of things are 
it it bothers me because it's insulting the audience's intelligence. Like, why why is this a thing? Like, how did that happen? How did that? How was that not a story? Like, how was that not a a, a legend and a and a myth at least that people talked about? I, it, it insults the audience's and intelligence. It's weird to me that the, the the way that those things came about, both King Arthur and the World War II involvement, was they had a writer's room. They called it the Transformers Room, I think is what they called mm-hmm. it, where they had a ton of writers all generate new ideas, and they would develop like almost a full-blown story idea for their movie, and they would make concept art and a movie poster, and then they would pitch it to Steven Spielberg, Michael Bay, and some other producers, which... How is Steven Spielberg involved in this movie? Like, that is, like, he was legitimately involved in the process. Like, it wasn't just, like, his name slapped on there. Like, he was in the planning and development process of this movie. I I don't know. Maybe they just paid him enough money to sit there and give a thumbs up every once in a while. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But anyway, so they, they would come, these writers, they would come and present their ideas. And there was one group of writers that presented their ideas of a Transformers movie during World War II, where the Transformers helped turn the tide of war. And then there was a different writer that he presented the idea of Transformers during the Dark Ages. And the entire movie was going to be in the medieval times. Michael Bay liked both ideas that he was like, well, let's just have five minutes of both of those in my movie and then do something completely different. Like, I, I feel like he wasted those cool ideas. like. I don't know, like a whole Transformer movies that was in the medieval ages? Sure. Or a whole world war, like that's the whole movie. Maybe I can understand. But to just have them in there for like five seconds, I feel like it's such a waste of an idea. Yeah, I mean, that's where like this movie, that's where this movie really just goes off the rails for me is because it just gives me whiplash. You, you get that opening scene, which... You know, I'm not going to say too much because I I don't like Stanley Tucci in this movie at all. 
Um, I, I it that that scene just puts me off to the movie right away. Then you ha- like you have that, and then it's just like it it wants to be serious with Cade trying to call his daughter, and you know, so like it wants to be serious there. Then it wants to make jokes about you know Cade, you know, being celibate for so long. And then it wants to totally insult Sam Wickwicky's character by finding, like, why even acknowledge the fact that Sam Wickwicky is in, like, is still in this universe and that he's had something to do, like, to put that picture in him. Like, then you have that really weird, insulting picture of him. And then they try to be serious again with, um, you know, Optimus and Bumblebee. It's just there's so many different angles. And then they have that cheap ripoff of Suicide Squad introductions for the. Oh, yeah. You can totally tell that Michael Bay was (laughs) like, hey, I like (laughs) the Suicide Squad thing. I'm gonna do the same thing. Yeah. And then uh, again, they they have a scene in here where. There's negotiations with humans to let Decepticons go. They literally have a scene where Megatron meets people in the desert to ask for the release of Decepticons. What, what was the reasoning they even gave for that? I was trying to remember that at the end of the movie. Like, oh, because and and here's like here's my problem. Tell me why this the whole concept of them meeting Megatron is because okay, and this is where I say like this movie is well, it acknowledges what happened. It's almost like no Transformers Five is its own thing. At the end of Age of Extinction, well, during that movie, they had Cemetery Wind hunting the Transformers. But we find out Cemetery Wind was hunting Transformers, not just Decepticons. And that's what everybody thought they were doing. Autobots save the world. You know, Autobots save Shanghai or wherever the heck they were. And it looks like at the end of the movie, everything's cool with Optimus going off, but like everybody is like, oh, the Autobots were good. We're we're fine. Then all of a sudden there's a new government agency in this movie hunting Autobots again called the TRF. Kate, despite the fact that the last several movies have proven that that's a terrible yeah. idea that they need them as allies. Cade Yeager is on the run, which it looked like he was in the clear at the end of Age of Extinction. He's considered a fugitive, but the United States government and the humans decide that the way that they're going to win is they're going to make a deal with Megatron to find the staff of Merlin. Why are you going to like, why do you need to make a deal with Megatron? Why can't you just talk to Cade? Why is he considered a fugitive? Why is Megatron even Megatron anymore? There's no explanation for that, that he's Megatron. I'll admit he looks badass, but why is he me- why is he Megatron? How do they even know about the staff in this movie? There's no explanation how the Transformers know about it because why the hell didn't they try to find it in the first, second, third, fourth movie? No, it's just oh, you let the staff get away and the talisman. What are you talking about? How do you know that exists? There, there's and why did it never come up there, one time before? There's no explanation at all as to why any of these events start taking place for the Transformers or the Decepticons. There is no logical in-movie explanation 
how this happens. It also has the weirdest transition. Optimus disappears for a long time in these Transformers movies. We joked about that, I think, in Dark of the Moon. That last scene where he hears Bumblebee's voice and, you know, gets all sweet for him and whatnot, and now he's no longer under Quintessa's control. Where does he disappear to? Because you have the scene of Cade's like friend that helps him in the in the garage. Um, that kid, you have him. You have him on a scene running with. I found Optimus. I found Optimus. And then thirty five minutes go by, and you do not see Optimus Prime at all while they're fighting Decepticons. Where did Optimus go? You know, what's interesting is like I noticed part of the way into this Optimus spends like no time in truck form. None. Like throughout this whole movie, it's it's really only a very short portion towards the end. It's like I thought they were Transformers. When are they going to transform? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, there was it was kind of noticeable to me that it kind of stood out. Yeah, it, it just it. Th- there's too much of that. And again, for whatever reason, I forgave it in Age of Extinction. But yeah, this this movie to me just acts like it's its own thing while still acknowledging events of previous movies. And it it's too much of a jumbled mess for me to maybe stop and appreciate like, oh, all right, that chase scene's pretty good. That action scene isn't bad because I'm just thinking about the last hour and 45 minutes of this movie don't make sense it doesn't make sense that Kay jaeger survives getting attacked by drones it doesn't make sense that the humans are going to make a deal with megatron it's just it's one consecutive thing after another that doesn't make sense to me where there's too much of it at least in the other movies you would have a scene where it was like that doesn't make a lot of sense but they would move on to something that was actually really cool and you didn't have to think about too many scenes in this movie for me require me to think about what they're presenting on screen and why it doesn't make sense in the in the context of this is the fifth Transformers movie that is acknowledging the other four, but they don't even respect what they've previously done. I think just something even as simple as Vivian being the last living relative of Merlin, like, OK, you're telling me she has no like second cousins four times removed left like she's it no because she's the only one a girl like that's always single too by the way that you know that's another hollywood thing that stupid line while she's playing polo there's a reason you're always single i'm sorry a a woman like that's not always single like (laughs) you're you're not the 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 other thing that i'll say as well is that the movie gives no reason for anything that's happening. It, con- it consistently jumps between things. And, and I will be real here. It, it, what it goes between makes no sense. By the time you get to the end of the movie and you look back at where the movie started, it's really confusing to understand that these scenes were in the same movie and to understand how did I go from point A to point B. And it, it like genuinely, I struggle to understand how we got there. But while I'm in the movie, I'm not. And again, I think this is part of the reason it works for me. While I'm in the movie, I'm not really thinking about it. Like it's retroactively when I'm trying to think critically and trying to critique the movie and prepare for the episode and 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 understand where you're coming from. I'm like, wow, yeah, none of this makes sense. Why this particular thing is happening? 
the way that it's happening or how we got from point A to point B. Like, I think about that scene when Hound attacks Megatron at the junkyard. Like, how did we go from that to Hound and all the other Autobots on the Autobot ship helping all the mm-hmm. Osprey onto Cybertron? Like, I don't really know how that is connected within the story of the movie. Yet, how does Cybertron even exist? Yeah, wasn't it sucked into a black hole in, uh, in, uh, well, even part of it, uh, in Dark of the Moon, and it even part of it blew up in Dark of the Moon. You see it blow up, but yet it's still alive. And wasn't it supposedly destroyed? Like, why is it still a thing if the whole reason they're here in the first place and the whole reason they keep getting sent to Earth throughout history? Is because Cybertron was destroyed. Yeah. Well, it doesn't look destroyed no, to me. In Dark of the Moon, it gets blown up and sucked into a black hole. And then in this movie, it's somehow it's whole again. And again, the whole concept that Cybertron could be brought into this atmosphere, hit the moon, and start destroying the moon, and then be on Earth, like where you can physically see it touching Earth, the planet, it, I, I, the planet's dead in a second like that is going to cause way too many things to fall out of like out of whack. Like the fact that it could show up on earth, just like whatever. And then the whole wasted thing, I'm the whole wasted concept with Unicron. Why'd you even do that? Like why? It literally does not. It it goes nowhere. Yeah. Except for a movie that they thought maybe they would do depending on this one, you know, but bombing like this movie bombed at the box office like what the heck is the end of this movie like we you mentioned this a second ago rob we don't get a single moment where we actually see optimus prime transform we we just don't see it we see him in the truck i think one time maybe twice but we never actually see a transformation and then somehow the movie just ends like we have this rousing speech from optimus prime and then quintessa is on earth as Gemma chan and apparently she's going to show us how to kill unicron like like how did how did we start this movie with medieval knights and take a pit stop in World War II Bumblebee, have Anthony Hopkins yelling at his Transformers butler, submarine, a magic sword that somehow, somehow Mark Wahlberg is able to stop the swing of a giant robot to save Optimus That's Prime. insane. And then we end the movie in like the Earth's atmosphere on a little piece of grass, like a really nice piece of grass with some black sand you know like that's cool looking but how did we get anywhere anywhere the whole like last 20 minutes of this movie absolutely fall apart um you you have the knights completely kicking optimus's ass until Cade pulls out his sword and then they're all magically just bffs because he's got this sword and now they're all like oh sorry we were just lumping you up we're we're cool now though homie like it's dumb like that's just so dumb Anthony Hopkins' character, he's just standing around Stonehenge. What was he doing there? Why was he there? Did he not point? expect he just gets shot. to shoot him? Yeah, he just or gets shot. And he wasn't even hiding like a little bit. Like he was just walking around almost yeah. like with a giant target on his head. And he doesn't even have anything to protect himself. He's got the cane, which is basically a pea shooter. What did he think he was going to do with that? Yeah, it's his, it's his life's mission to finally go there. And he's been protecting the secret of the Transformers on Earth for... How many years? And it's been passed down from generation to generation. And it's just it's it's so dumb. 
I would love to hear someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about what would actually happen <laughs> if all of these events like Matt was talking about actually did happen. Like, I would love for somebody who's like an actual astrophysicist, like a really smart person to be like, yeah, here's how fast everything you know would be obliterated. Oh, by the way, instantly. Um, it, just easily an extinction level event. I mean, complete extinction level event. So then we get to the end and they're rebuilding Cybertron. So why not just do that to start? Like if I cared enough to be confused, I would probably hate this ending so much. Like, and then you kind of have like that little teaser at the end. And I just don't know what I'm supposed to make of it. And at the same time, like, I don't care enough to try to figure out what it's supposed to mean. It's just, it happened that I shut the movie off and went about the rest of my day. Yeah. How do the Transformers just, sorry, Harrison, like at the end of this movie, if, if I'm understanding it correctly, they're just going to be on Cybertron repairing it. Why? Why didn't that? Why did we have four other movies? Yeah. If, why did they just do that? Like, just do that. Did you mess up Earth enough that Cybertron rebuilt itself to the point where now you can repair it? Like, I, I really don't understand how Cybertron is able to be inhabited now. And they're like, oh, we're going to go back there. It just it doesn't make sense. And even like one of the first scenes, too, um, and maybe I missed it. But when the kids are looking at like Wrigley Stadium or wherever they were in Chicago, and there's the Transformer. Doesn't the TRF guy go, I've got kids in the area, don't fire? And then two seconds later, he's like, fire. He's like, I have kids in danger. I noticed that He's too. like, hold your shot. And then boom, he just tells them to fire on the Transformer. Yeah. With the kids still in the area. And I'm like, wait, what? Did I miss a scene? Did you miss a scene? The only redeemable moment of that entire beginning with the mechs and everything is a funny line that that kid says when she's like, this is my home. He's like, what's this, the living room or the dining room? Like, that is the sassiest comment ever that I think is hilarious. Outside of that, that, that entire s- sequence makes no sense. Like, r- like, the kids are sassy enough that it's like, I'm halfway entertained, but it, that is one area where it's like, this is, this is pointless. And, and here's the other thing that I'll say that drove me, well, one last thing about the movie. The movie has good moments or what i'm going to say cinematic sequences like the chase scene in london i really like watching it i think it's really engaging action i think that it's definitely michael bay status and he just throws energy at the screen that nobody else does i'm totally here for same thing with that ending battle or any some of the other action scenes I, i i would say once anthony hopkins gets involved that's when i'm really having fun uh before that it's a little bit slower but with that previous to that um Jimmy's character is funny enough to keep me halfway engaged. But once Anthony Hopkins is there, I'm having a lot of fun. And when we get to an action scene, it's just like a level of energy that's entertaining and fun to watch. But those action sequences from like like what they're getting to or what they're trying to build up to or like the moment right beyond the action scene, if you will, is what doesn't make sense. Like I think the action scene on that little patch of Cybertron with the grass is really fun. You know, like, I'd, I don't know. I think that it's awesome when Optimus... It, there's no reason that Optimus Prime is late, but he is. And then he shows up, even though he left on his jetpack, which is stupid, on another note. Before them, he's somehow late. But then he shows up and, like, destroys that one Decepticon. Like, that's kind of fun. But the second that ends and they're in there trying to get the staff, it's just like, what is going on? Like, 
gravity suddenly ha- has meaning, but also doesn't. And then the staff, she couldn't get it out, and now she could. And it's not ginormous, even though Megatron just had it. Like, like there's the, the moments that are engaging. But once that moment is over, what it was trying to get to or where it puts you is just disorienting because it's moving so quick between too many ideas without any consistency. And this, this is the other complaint I have. They filmed this on like 18 different cameras. The amount mm-hmm. of times this movie switches formats and the letterbox bars grow or shrink is distracting. Like, annoyingly distracting. Like, don't, I love watching IMAX scenes. My, Christopher Nolan switches formats, but he does it in a way that makes sense and isn't distracting. This is like, like there's multiple scenes where it, it's filming mm-hmm. Cade in a conversation and it does like a typical shot reverse shot. But on the shot where it comes back to Kate, it's a different format. It's the exact same frame. Like, he is blocked the same. His face is the same. The lighting is the same. He's, he's given the line that matches. But the format of the camera is different. And so you get the bars jumping. It's like, how logistically did this happen? Like, did, did Michael Bay not know how to shoot out of order? He thought he had to shoot according to the order of the movie and forgot which camera he was using? Like, I, it's, anno- it, it's, it's stupid is what it is. It's just dumb. It it's really bad. It's jarring. Um, this is another one that, much like Age of Extinction and in Dark of the Moon, where they did it a bunch with Shia LaBeouf, there are some glaringly awful stunt double shots of Mark Wahlberg in this movie as well. Um, that are really bad. They're really jarring, and I, I hate to harp on this, but if Cybertron was still around, why wasn't Quintessa there? when they were bringing it back in dark of the moon. Like when did she get to Cybertron and was just chilling there? Like, and if she's a creator of the transformers, why does she suddenly care about Cybertron? Like, did she not care about it when they were having a civil war? And why does she care if Unicron destroys earth? I don't understand that. I don't understand. I don't understand why actually she's like, you need to kill Unicron. I don't understand like why in this movie, Unicron has to be killed. It doesn't make any sense. Like, if you're on Cybertron, like, because they don't, like, he's like, oh, you know, arch enemy of Cybertron, but it's just like, eh, okay, is he going to come after Cybertron if he's awakened? Like, again, it just, they don't bother to, they just don't bother to explain these things. They don't bother to explain why the TRF is in, you know, why they think Autobots are bad again. I I still don't understand how the explanation for Energon and, and Revenge of the Fallen, how they can't make an army, but yet, where do all these new Decepticons come from? Where, like, why does the Ninja Autobot... They come from the merchandising right, department. Right. Why does the, the, ninja, the Ninja Autobot why is he a different color in this movie? Because he went from a helicopter to a Bugatti Veyron to a Mercedes. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. Because they needed to sell a new version yeah. of his toy. And like, I don't know, like Hot Rod. And I, I find the butler annoying, especially when he attacks Cade. And like, I don't know. I just, I did laugh when he was singing when Anthony Hopkins is telling the story. But I found his character very like intolerable he's he's got moments where he's he's funny um 
But then there's moments where it's just like, dude, you are trying way too hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually referring to the screenwriter mm-hmm. for that. I'm not even really referring to to him. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's it's trying to be like HK 47 from KOTOR a little bit. It's trying to be, you know, Alfred from, from Batman a little bit and, and trying to be a lot of other things all at the same time. I even call him three PO for God's sakes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, a little bit of that too. And, and, and it, the character's a little bit all over. It doesn't feel like, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of what he's given to do is just based on what, would be interesting for the scene, not necessarily what would be consistent for his character. And, and I don't know. I like, I kept waiting for him to transform into something cool and he never did. Can I also say too, that I feel like there's one besides like him trying to call his daughter. There was like one line of dialogue where I'm, I'm always confused because there's so much stuff that's just juvenile and whatnot. And I was like, that actually makes sense. And in a scene where nothing makes sense, there's one bit of dialogue when Cade asks, what's the girl's name? Vivian or Elizabeth? Vivian. Uh, the, the professor Vivian. that he's with. Vivian. 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 Yeah, Vivian. Yeah. There's one scene. It's yeah, everything else is going around. They're fighting. It's crazy. And he asks her, like, what are you doing tomorrow? I felt like that was the most like genuine question in the movie because, yeah, we're probably going to die. And it just felt like a really like real thing that a guy would say to like yeah. that a guy would say to this girl what are you doing tomorrow because it's going to be a freaking miracle if we live and if we do what the hell do we both have to lose like it felt like the most real genuine moment yeah. in this entire movie and it's dumb that that's what i'm like that felt actually realistic yeah i agree <laughs> with that line that that wasn't the most realistic line and i also wanted to comment on what was said about cogman the butler I I agree that there's like there's lines that I think he's really funny and I think the character's funny like when he calls uh, Anthony Hopkins and he's like he just burst out of the elevator like that's funny to me but when he's trying to kill someone and like strangle someone it's like what the heck is this character like this makes no sense character wise and I Rob you said it really well it's just it's like what they need him to do for the scene and what they think is funny not what makes sense for the character and I feel like they didn't really create a character they just created like a insert whatever we need person which is stupid uh, horrible right i I, th- I think rob said it really really well at the beginning of it i feel like michael bay especially with this movie just went i have okay here is scene one two three four and five i've shot them it's your job to figure out how they make sense like he didn't it's almost like his movies aren't coherent like he's not actually working with the writers he's only thinking about i want to film this blowing up i don't care how we get there but he doesn't give them enough connective tissue or vice versa or he doesn't know enough about writing to say hey guys i don't think this really worked or whatever the case may be it's he shoots individual scenes with no care whether or not they actually connect. Yeah, I think that that is a really precise way of of describing the movie. And it's interesting that there's moments, and I'm being realistic here and being fair to myself, there are moments that I clearly recognize don't work. And I'm 
it's really easy for me to just ignore them because of the other moments that work enough for me. And I can't really tell you why. It's just that they work so well for me. Anthony Hopkins' character works on a level that I can't explain. His lines are horrible. His amount, the amount of exposition they give this character is ridiculous, but it makes sense because he delivers it with so much class and like epicness, but charisma and, and he, he does it in it. I mean, he's Anthony Hopkins. So of course they give him the, the meaty dialogue and to let him just read from the textbook. Um, so there's, there's enough of it that works, but it, it is really glaring the issues that are there. So I, I'm not, I, by no means, if anybody, if you wanted me to be like at the beginning of this episode in my two cents and me joking about Matt and Rob hating it, if you thought that I was going to be like, this movie is perfect, sorry if I let you down. I, I was never under that impression. This movie is a guilty pleasure, and I will gladly recognize the areas that make it guilty, but I'm not going to shy away from ma- the, the areas that make it a pleasure. There's something about them that just work. Uh, with that, I just just one other line, and then we'll move on to the next segment that I want to mention. When uh, they're driving, they're in the middle of like, this street race in the middle of tiny streets in London and uh, Cogman, the butler, he's like, oh, that reminds me. Agnes called, wanted to see if you were free tomorrow evening for a snuggle. And I, I, I like I said, I've watched this movie four times. I never noticed it until this time because I had subtitles on. Anthony Hopkins responds, he says, oh, I'd love a snuggle with Agnes. Do I look available? <laughs> and it's just like, that is a dumb line. But the way it's given just gets me. So a- a- again, you know, I'm having my cake and eating it too. So what are you going to do? It's a Transformers movie. But yeah. So any any other thoughts about living up and how just ridiculous this movie is? I, I will say... No, actually, I'll save it for first points. Any, any other thoughts for live up at all? Okay. Moving on to the next segment, binge points. So these are Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes. Anything else that you want to mention? Um, uh, what I was about to say that I'll say now is that... So Paramount lost, I think it was $100 million on this movie. Even though the budget was only 217 and domestic or not domestically, world oh gosh, domestically it made 130. That's horrible. Worldwide, it made 605 million. That's pretty good, you know, budget to worldwide gross ratio, but there was so much that they paid for filming that they weren't able to put in the movie. Like there was one cut of this movie that was an hour longer, which would be close to four hours long because there was so much that they filmed that they just couldn't use. And I really feel like, Rob, you were onto something. I think Michael Bay was just like, I have a bunch of money. This is my last Transformer movies. I'm going to do all the things that I want to do with Transformers and all the sequences. And then we're going to fi- we're going to hire six editors and f- they're going to ha- be paid to find a way to put it together. Yeah, so- just a bunch of guys like chain smoking <laughs> and just pounding coffee. Like, how do we make anything cohesive yeah, so- out of this? And they're just looking at each other, like shrugging, going... I don't know. Just piece them together and see what happens. See if the audience notices. None of this makes sense. And it's crazy to me that despite nearly four hours of footage, at least is that's what it said it was. There's still a re- they still reuse scenes. Like this is nuts. Uh, so that was interesting. Any, any bench points from the two of you though? I mean, I think just for back when this came out. For anybody that's like listening to this now, I don't think it can really be understated how much of a box office failure this movie was. It was such a huge box office failure. Like, it, people thought this movie was so bad. 
like it got Wahlberg nominated for worst actor for this movie. Oh yeah, this movie broke a record with Razzies where it had the most nomination like 28 nominations for Razzie awards and won none mm-hmm. of them. Like it it was the worst Razzie it's it's like a record for Razzie where it was nominated for the most but didn't uh earn any. So yeah, it it was What beat this? <laughs> like I'm not sure, but this was so like when this came out, it was projected to gross between 70 and 75 million. Th- this part, I actually I, I have notes for this because like I this was so fascinating to me when this movie first came out, I, I because you know how big these Transformers movies opened and how much they made. Age of Extinction made over a billion dollars worldwide. This movie. It was okay, 70 to 75 million from 4,000 theaters. Rob, you know that's terrible. Like, that's bad. That's a horrible projection. It grew- well, one of the things that gets missed a lot with budgets is that doesn't, whatever it takes to actually make your movie, you kind of take that amount and double that. And that's the cost that it takes to market your movie. And that kind of gets forgotten about when you're thinking about, oh, well, the budget was 250 million and they made 275 million. So they made their money back and, and then a little bit more. Nah, they still lost. Yeah, they totally lost in this movie. So it, it opened to $44.7 million for the weekend. 44.7. Oh, that is insane. That's $25 million below the first transformers movie. And at a time when the tickets were $2 cheaper back, like, so this movie, like when you take into account like inflation and all that other nonsense, like this movie was such a box office disaster. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. I'm curious. I'm looking up Tenant right now because Tenant was released in the middle of the pandemic. Uh okay, well this is even worse. But domestic opening was nine million. Okay, that's a horrible comparison. Let's do something like Black Widow. I I was reading something about Black Widow, which was like kind of when the pandemic was ending. You know, theaters weren't well ending as it's still going on. Okay, yeah, that the Black Widow that was in twenty twenty one. Theaters are still recovering from COVID. People aren't going to the movies nearly as much as they did. Open to double this eighty million. In 2021, recovering box office, that's bad. When thinking about, like, you know, we've said how great the trailer for this movie is. Like, your opening weekend, the audience shows up on the back of their interest in the trailer, their interest in the franchise as a whole. It's not like bad word of mouth can make it around that fast. I mean, we pay attention to like the early screenings and the the rumors that come out from those early screenings and the critical buzz and things like that. Like when, when a movie is going to be bad, like you kind of, if you really pay attention and you really look for it, like you can kind of hear that it's going to be bad before you decide to go see it or not. But still, there's a lot of those opening weekend audiences that are looking for something to do and, and they're not really paying attention. I don't know that the casual movie goer really pays attention to this stuff to the same level. So the fact that that many people knew not to go see this um, on opening weekend, that says something. They were all just done with Transformers? Yeah, Yeah, seriously. I mean, the second weekend, 
$16.9 million in its second weekend, a 62.2% drop. And then its third weekend, $6.4 million, an identical 62.2% drop. Yeah. Like this movie faded out of existence immediately. It, it, like immediately. This, this movie has gotten from critics, has gotten negative reviews and zero star reviews from critics. Uh, it's interesting to me that they thought Paramount, Michael Bay, Steven Spielberg, to some extent, like he was heavily involved in the production of this movie, thought that this was going to do to Transformers what Bumblebee did, that this was going to be the reset, new ideas, new mm-hmm. characters, and like, but they weren't able to break away from, like, if you really think about it, I don't think that they're trying to make a sequel to Edge of Extinction outside of characters. Like, they're just reusing characters, which is a horrible idea for a reboot. But I feel like in every other way, they're genuinely trying to reboot it. And maybe that's why it's so insulting. But it's interesting that they, like, this is the most expensive Transformers movie. They had Michael back, My- Michael back, Michael Bay back for his last one. And, you know, and we're making a big deal of that. They put a lot of work into it in a lot of ways. And, uh, like, they were really excited about it, I would say. And then it just failed. Mm-hmm. What characters did they think they were going to build this franchise around, though? Like, if this was going to be not like a soft reboot, but maybe a new jumping off point, which characters in this movie did they think were going to like carry the banner for the franchise? Well, you know, they didn't have specific, they never mentioned specific characters, but Harrison mentioned this. They, they created that writer's room with this. And the whole thing is they actually hired Harrison. I, I can't remember if you said this, the actual number, but they hired um, uh, Ag- uh, is it Agvia Goldsman was his name to oversee a, a team of 10 writers and to come up with ideas for future films with the intention of expanding the franchise into a cinematic universe. 12 individual stories were written and pitched for the universe, and then they were tasked with creating a multi-part sequel storyline with prequels and spinoffs. So they really thought that they were going to go MCU at this point. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they're like, after this movie, it was that's that was the direction they were supposed to. They wanted to. Get. You know what? And correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there supposed to be a G.I. Joe Transformers crossover at so. some point? They had they had talked about that. Um, you know, yeah, I feel like this movie. To some extent. If written better and not connected to the other films at all, you know. Let's keep the same plot, even. I don't care. But just write it a little bit better. Connect things a little bit. Yeah, how do you do that? Just an easy weave. Just, you know, just erase a few lines here or there. No big deal. But but don't like try to reuse characters. Like, if it's new characters like you did with Bumblebee, I really could see this being the start of a cinematic universe. And I just feel like they tried to do too many things at once. And you see that in a movie. There's too many things going on, and they're just like barely connecting. Like, I haven't seen Bumblebee in a while, but I'm kind of looking forward to rewatching it again. Mm-hmm. I can already think of like five characters in the movie Bumblebee that I like more and am more compelled by than anybody in this movie. They wrote 14 stories out of that writer's room for future Transformers films. But because this movie was so, like, this movie was such a disappointment at the box office and the reception, it just derailed absolutely everything although 
when Bumblebee came out, um, they actually did announce that when they announced the sequel to Bumblebee, they actually announced that they were going to do a sequel to the last night as well and have these that they were still going to do the cinematic universe and have these as two separate like timelines. No, quit while you're ahead. Don't do like, that. <laughs> but but they they stopped it. Oh. Like they 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 ended that. But when Bumblebee came out and it was a success, they were talking about like, oh, well, we're going to do a sequel to Bumblebee but we're also going to do a sequel to the last night. And people are like, um, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Like to what Rob said, instead of trying to make 14 stories, just make one good one. Like that's all you need. Right. It's stupid. Um, the only other binge point I have here is for the little character squeaks, which that line when Jimmy's like, leave squeaks, he's a survivor. I would say that to my siblings all the time. (laughs) They're like in a hurry. (laughs) Or like we would be leaving. Oh my gosh, my siblings take forever to get ready for things. I'd be, I'd just yell, "Leave squeaks, he's a survivor." I don't know what they were doing, but anyway, um, they built a physical squeaks, which I thought was pretty cool. At the request of, uh, I think, or actual the actress's name is Isabella as well. Yeah, Isabella plays Isabella, and she requested that they build a physical version of Squeaks, so they did, which is like one of the first physically built Transformers, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, but what a random character weeks he was he was like my bb8 yeah he's fun i like i I, he's a good bit of fun but just kind of there um yeah i don't i don't have any binge points there's not a lot to binge or give points to in this movie like a blue eva oh yeah well said uh but not nearly as cute like kind of cute well no no Uh, okay well on to the next segment, which would should be interesting. Lease and likes. This is what we talk about. Our least favorite scene. Have to narrow it down to one. And also our favorite scene, which I'm sure is going to be even harder to narrow down to one. So my least favorite scene, it's hard to pick one. And I'm just going to say the ending of the movie. Like, just the entire thing. The Transformers going back onto Cybertron. The Quintess is showing up on Earth, the Unicron. Like, it takes the entire movie that could have just ended with Optimus Prime having a nice speech and talking. And, and there's, at least in, not necessarily throughout the film, but in given lines, there's some good themes here. And you could have ended with that. But instead, you have like this weird halfway post credit scenes, like giving us ideas that, like, those ideas don't fit in your movie. Like, you should never tease a sequel that doesn't make sense in your movie, if you get what I'm saying. And, and and I that's why I hate the ending. Not because it wasn't something that was followed up on that. Because within the movie, it's just confusing. Like if, if the comu- movie was confusing enough, uh, so that's of the many that I could pick from. My one least favorite. You know, Hollywood is so copycat, and it's um, obvious, and everybody knows that Hollywood is is just a, it's a copycat town. And this is of all of the things that the three of us love about the MCU. There are certain things that it has done to storytelling um, that I kind of hate. And the need to create a connected universe is one of them. And there's been so many that have failed so spectacularly. Everybody goes to a Marvel movie and you don't move when the credits roll. You know, you have to sit all the way to the end because there's going to be something else there. And it's going to tease something else or it's going to be a cool detail or something fun. Like everybody knows that's what you do. So now all of these other franchises know feel like, oh, we have to do that. We have to copy that. 
So they put this in to tease a future movie that nobody cares about because they don't care about the movie they just got done watching. It honestly feels like they were more concerned in that final end credit scene, whatever, than they did in their actual movie, which is also kind of disappointing because Gemma Chan's awesome. And, you know, that would have been a cool character to see continue, but like it doesn't need to be included in this movie. Yeah, I think my least favorite scene is when Optimus turns back just because it's so he's so he's such a non-factor in this movie for most of it. And then to get like the tease of the trailer that like, oh, this might be something different. Optimus being, you know, emo, uh, emo. <laughs> 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 he's, he, he's out. He's out there dancing with Peter Parker. Um, <laughs> um, like that was interesting. And then it it's such just a throwaway segment in this movie. And then like Rob mentioned, he hears Bumblebee's voice and he's like, oh, the knights are going to kill me. You know, Cade stops the sword, which is so unbelievable. And it's like, OK, he's back to being Optimus Prime. And it's like, why did we even have that in the movie? Like what, what a waste wh- of Nemesis Prime. I remember in the trailer, like that scene where his eyes change color and she says, like, mm-hmm. you are now Nemesis Prime. I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like. Yeah. Uh, like Optimus Prime, the greatest leader that we all say we would die for. They're going to make evil. And then then he literally has like, like what? He kills two, two, if he even kills him. He attacks two people with his sword, takes a staff, has a really short fight with Bumblebee, and then he's back to Optimus. Like what a waste. Yeah, and that's just like my least favorite scene because there was there was potential there. Like you could have had Quintessa bringing Cybertron to Earth and Optimus leading the charge to fight her Megatron being on Quintessa's side. Cause he wants to go back to Cybertron. Um, but no, and it just, it's such a wasted opportunity. And that scene just like, it just bothers me. Cause it, it showcases how pointless it was to have that with Optimus. So I would say, um, it would be glib to say that my least favorite scene starts sometime after the opening credits are done and ends sometime right around when the closing <laughs> credits start. Uh, I would, I would say that, but if I, am I choosing, um, Matt, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but I really loathe, loathe mind control plots in movies and TV shows. Like I hate them. I hate them. Like if you're going to, if you're going to turn a character, give them, a reason for it. Don't do it with mind control or, or whatever, you know, like I, I hate them. And the way that you always get a character to snap out of it is you have to like shake them and, and use your voice and say, you know, me, you know who I am. You recognize me. You can pull out of this reach deep down with inside you and find the real you and, and recognize mm-hmm. me. And they're like, Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm not evil anymore. Okay. Back to being a good guy again. Like, that is such a trope that I hate and it's awful and it's stupid. Like just once, just once I want to see somebody try that in a movie and the evil version of their friend is just like, Nope, still evil (laughs) stab. You know, like I want to see that. I want to see that. So, um, I hate that as a trope and that would be my least favorite scene. Um, secondarily, I want to throw out another second least favorite scene. 
I also hate the trope of the sidekick who stows away at some Mm. point and they show up at the end and they get yelled at. Why are you here? You could get hurt. Uh, I just wanted to help. And then they end up saving the day and they needed to be there all along. Like we've seen it. 843,872,653 times in movies and TV shows. Don't give it to me anymore. I hate it. I hate it. And it's not even mind control in this movie. She literally like pimp slaps Optimus Prime. And he gets a new tattoo. Yeah. Yeah, like she literally smacks him and then all of a sudden he's changed. It, it's like, dumb. It, I, I'm curious though, Rob, as far as mind control goes, have you ever seen Agent Cody Banks 2? No. That's actually the not. next review for Rob Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting it on the calendar now. Let's do it. I will say on a totally separate note, those. Those are another guilty pleasure. Oh, my gosh. If, if anybody listening has not seen Agent Cody Banks 1 and 2, do it. The second one, especially, is just like the highlight of my childhood. But that is like the one movie where the mind control is actually not bothersome. Because I'm totally there with you. Every time mind control is incorporated, it's just like, yeah, come up with a better idea. Like, I'm not dumb. Ain't yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just point... I, I just want to point out, too, one thing that was really disappointing was the scene right to, well it's not towards the end but um you know megatron's fighting optimus for 30 seconds or less than that whatever they do and he's like we were brothers once and optimus says once and then he kicks him out and it's like boy what wasted if you go back and look at how much optimus and megatron interact with each other throughout these five movies it's nothing. It's it, it. They really do not have screen time together or anything super meaningful. He he runs out in Dark of the Moon and says, I want to be in charge. He kills him. Optimus has a 45 second fight scene with him in Age of Extinction as Galvatron. And then never fights him again. Transformers, the first one is about the most screen time they have together. And so much of what happens after that is betrayed because the stakes don't matter. Right. Like if you were to go back and rewatch these again, after having seen all of them, you're shown this big momentous fight between these two, you know, antagonists just to know that they're going to fight again and again and again, the stakes don't matter. Like you're supposed to feel something when Optimus brutalizes him in dark of the moon. Mm-hmm. Like you're supposed to feel something about that. Just knowing that he's going to come back later really cheapens that moment. And it could have been, it it could feel a lot more special um, if you didn't know that he's just going to. And I had said this on a previous episode, but when you can resurrect anybody you want, anytime you want, it completely removes the stakes. It means nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was quickly on my phone pulling up, uh, Transformers 5 and like scrubbing through the timeline because I was trying to remember like what other scenes happen at the beginning of this movie and that is what I will add as far as the least favorite scene is that like so much of it is just forgivable that I can't even like mentally scrub through the movie in my head because it's that long and that forgettable at times um, but I will say as, as we go into our favorite scenes the parts that are memorable are memorable enough that I keep coming back to the movie and I think that that like having seen this movie as frequently as I have, you would think that I would remember more of it. And I think as I'm trying to understand why I like this movie just for myself alone, 
I think that's what, how it works is that I remember what I like and I choose to forget what I don't. And so it's easy to watch again because like, I just like, I'm actively deleting the memory as it's happening for the negative part. <laughs> um, so I'm curious for the two of you, do you even have a, a favorite scene? Is there one redeeming quality of this movie? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I'm not trying to just be completely like negative because Rob and I have talked about this before on on episodes that we've talked about. It, that's not always fun for me. Like it, it really isn't fun for me to sit here and just say everything about this movie is bad because I just don't want to be repetitive. And that doesn't sometimes make for good conversation. But to me, there's not a scene in this movie that's really like super memorable because everything is so chopped up by something that is so dumb to me or just makes so little sense that I can't even process the fact that I liked the scene. Maybe when Optimus comes in on that dragon, that is probably the coolest thing that happens in this movie for me. But again, it's just, it's bogged down by the fact that three seconds later, you have that stupid scientist talking about swinging the control center and like, it's very hard for me to say I have a definitive favorite scene because it, it is so jumbled where at least like in Revenge of the Fallen, when he gets the jetpack, I love that scene. I think that's really cool. Like when he first, as stupid as it is right up into it where, you know, Sam fills his college dorm room sock with sand dust <laughs> like that's stupid. But when Optimus gets resurrected and then the fallen comes down like that scene's really cool. I would even say like the scene with his dad telling him we're going to go together like that's a really good scene. I like that. It's emotional. It makes sense. It has weight. To me, nothing in this movie has weight. It, it has no memorable value to me so matt's favorite scene is when he exited the paramount app and went back to his media players home screen <laughs> yeah like I, I i just i can't confidently say i have a favorite actual scene uh, that's fair enough i can i can respect that and i and normally i'd be like oh come on pick a favorite scene just for the sake of this segment but I, I, it is one of those things that like like you were saying at the end even all those moments that are fun like optimus coming in on a dragon and then destroying like a combiner transformer that i forget the name of and chopping all their heads off in like one swing of his sword like come on that's sweet but then that is like such a brief moment of a larger scene that is just so immediately moved on from to dumber annoying ideas that they don't let those those fun moments like optimus flying around on a jetpack they don't let those last because they're so quick to interrupt him so i can mm. i can totally understand where you're coming from rob are you with matt or do you have something redeemable I actually do have a favorite scene. Um, I, I, I sort of love um, they call it ruin porn where it's like old, like like cars in the middle of the woods or old towns or just things that have been reclaimed by nature, you know, like abandoned mm. areas. Um, I love watching like like seeing pictures of reclaim like the nature, like the forest is taken back over. The jungle is reclaiming, you know, these these cities and stuff like that. So I'm just kind of into that stuff anyways. And that's one of my favorite elements of of things like the walking dead and, and things like the, the game, the last of us, which, which 
listeners of the Matt Goes to the Movies show will know that's that's a game I've got a lot of fondness for. Definitely looking forward to the series, by the way. We should think about doing that. Um, so getting a chance to see that abandoned town and the old busted up church was just like, that's just like a cool sort of like set to play with. And they've got the uh, the TIE fighter drones, you know, quote unquote, not totally TIE fighters. You guys don't sue us. Um, like chasing after them. Like there's parts of that that are really cool, even though they have stormtrooper aim, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's parts of that that I just think are sort of fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, my least favorite scene is a scene that I have not mentioned once. And it's because I was saving it for my favorite scene. And I think it is the perfect example of all the parts of this movie that works for me. It's not because the scene's particularly long or because it does anything particularly exciting or interesting. It just does enough of the elements that I like that it's a good scene to point out of the features of the movie that I like, if that makes any sense. Uh, And so it's the scene because it's part of the chase that's happening in London, uh, which I think is a really, really fun thing. I think it's super energetic and really fun to watch. Um, But it's when Agent Simmons, John Turturro's character, is talking to Anthony Hopkins, and um, he asks him to induct him into the the Witwicken whatever, and uh, then they hang up, and he like tells him where it is that it's a Pangea and that it's connected to um, whatever. Like that entire scene going on, Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. like coughs and rips a page out of the book, and it makes me laugh. Like like there's enough going on here when I'm enjoying the energy given off in these scenes. And then uh, Anthony Hopkins sends to John Turturro's character. He says, "I'll hand her it, Brother Simmons." And then. <laughs> Agent Simmons on the phone says, I never had a brother. Feels nice. <laughs> it's so I will good. say, like, it's it dumb. Is, but the way John Turturro yeah. delivers that line, just, it, it gets, it's like a direct link to my funny bone. I think it's hilarious. And, and so it's not just, like, that is a fantastic line that really is a positive memory that I laugh at. And so that, it's a favorite for that reason. But the thing surrounding it as well, the action that's going on and kind of just the energy going, going on in the movie is all the positive elements without a scene to ruin it too close to it, if you get what I mean. Like, it, it, if it was a little bit later on where Anthony Hawkins ended up at, at Stonehenge, if that would have been closer to it, it could have ruined it. But because there's enough room between a good moment and the negative moment, it's easier to remember the good. Uh, the one say one thing I will say I like about that scene too is I actually found it very funny when he gets to the library and he tells everybody else to shush. I actually did laugh at that. Yeah, that that was funny. Also, in the library, there in one of the bonus features I was watching, there's a scene where Anthony Hopkins kisses, I think it's a librarian or one of the ladies in the library, and then he goes back on his phone. He says, "Fingers in every pie" or something like that. Th- that's a scene. That is nowhere in the movie. I don't understand the context, what it was trying to do, but it was filmed um, <laughs> multiple times. And he just kept kissing this little lady. So interesting things happen on the set of Transformers. Um, okay. <laughs> he, he was trying to get that snuggle. <laughs> it was Agnes. <laughs> um, okay. So on the second last segment here, Transformers translation. Anything positive or negative that does or does not translate well about transformers lore and matt you said this earlier i think this is the best designed megatron and he is totally wasted i think his ship design is like a dagger shape and the way he transforms Mm -hmm. is another one of the best things in this movie but it is so brief and the character and everything about it is completely wasted that it's that it's not good enough to be a favorite but that is something that i really do like 
we actually get Dinobots in this. Like the last movie is called Age of Extinction, and it was supposed to be all about involving them. Um, and we actually get them showing up here. Um, you know, the the baby Dinobots are, are kind of adorable. My kids did like that <laughs> scene a lot. Um, they thought that was kind of cool. Um, so being able to actually see them being used a little bit, it, it felt like one movie too late, but it was it was enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think unfortunately with like the transfer again, the designs are really, really cool. Um I, I think the designs are are awesome on this, but to again for like Transformers lore, to me this is the most convoluted story that they've tried to pull with Transformers. Yeah. Like Stonehenge and king arthur like all of that stuff it just yeah like i know you said like he took like different parts but like reading that stuff about the writer's room it's like he took all 14 of those scripts that they wrote for individual projects and like future installments that they were trying to do and said i'm taking one like i'm taking a page from this movie i'm taking a page from that script i'll take three from this five from this two from here i'll take a sentence from this one okay now this is your movie and they're like well this doesn't involve the same characters like this this is a story set on cybertron when there were no autobots or decepticons and everybody was just a transformer this movie set in this time period yeah i don't care like just do it like this is it's just the most confusing transformer story where at least the other ones were like, whatever, the Matrix of Leadership, sure, it's in a sock, but sure, okay, fine. I I at least understand that story. I understand Dark of the Moon story. Whether or not it means it's good, at least you can understand what's going on. Like, I really don't know how you got from, and Harrison, you mentioned this, I don't know how you got from the start of this movie to the end of this movie. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's not explained, and I'm not somebody who needs my hand held. But even the characters don't know how they got there. Yeah, it's bad. Um, anything for you, Rob, at all? Oh, you mentioned the, the Dinobots, so yeah. Um, okay, well, on to the last segment. This is, will be interesting. Fall in. This is where we talk about the message's meaning, as my dad always said, the moral of the story, which... Or specifically, if you've been listening to these Transformers episodes, you know that this is specifically left in the podcast, even if a bit unreasonable for the sake of proving my film professor wrong. Um, so I, I'm curious if the two of you have anything. If you don't, something that I thought was really interesting, I got to get the line here so I say it right. Um, what did he say it? Uh, there, so there was two lines that I, I really, really liked. One of them said something along the lines of everything in your life, every hardship, every difficulty. Anthony Hopkins is talking to Kate, and he's like, your your wife leave, dying, and, and your daughter going to college, and all these hardships you've had in your life have all been a journey to this very moment. And like that's a very dramatic thing to say to your hero in the middle of an action movie. You know, like That's very cliche. But I sat there and thought about it because it was not working within the cliche that it was trying to be, and I was like, well, that's actually true. Like, Pick anybody's point in life, and that is a very literal statement. Everything has been leading up to this very moment in your life. And just the like the legitimate I- idea that that is, you know, whether that moment is 
quote, significant or not, everything that you've been through is leading up to the moment that you're in right now. And that, that adds like such a power to this moment. Uh, the movie doesn't expand on it at all. Like it's just a line it throws out. But the way that it caused me to think about it was like, wow, that 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 really is true. And I don't think that I've ever thought about the power that it gives this this moment, which is combined with one of the lines that Cogman says some more like um, every important decision comes down to one moment. I, I don't know. I felt like those two lines together kind of were complimentary. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I also do want to point out he calls him dude. Yeah, not in that same scene. But I laughed, and not because it was funny, but how stupid it was when he was like, what you want to know, don't you, dude? Yeah. I was like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> I I agree with that. I do think you can find meaning, too, in the fact of when he's taking them through like that huge house that he's in and like showing them the lineage of Transformers and like bloodline and everything like that. I do think there's something there like devoting yourself to a family idea or something that is like much bigger than you. Um, You hear about stuff like that a lot. I think there's something there, but again, it's for me, it's just, it's really hard to get behind any of that because of the movie that it's in. Like I could get behind no victory, like no sacrifice, no victory. I could get behind the family aspect of the first three. I could even get behind the aspect of Cade trying to be a good father in the fourth one. Um, it, there's just, it, it's it's really hard for me to take those messages seriously when it's in a movie like this. But I agree with your statement. It's It's hard to really find meaning in something that's kind of meaningless in general because, man, is it hard to care about a lot of what happens here. The one thing I'll say, and Matt, you mentioned it briefly, this movie really does push all of its chips into the center on the no sacrifice, no victory idea yeah. that we talk about is kind of like the Witwicky family motto. Um, and I don't know necessarily that they really explore what that truly means. It just, you know, it sounds kind of like a cool motto. So they just sort of repeat it over and over again. Um you know, it sort of reminds me of something I, uh, one of my former martial arts coaches used to would yell at us as we're, you know, doing cardio and, uh, and stuff like that. You know, the, just the idea that, um, nothing worth having is easy or else everybody would have it and nobody would want it. Wow. And yeah. And it's, you know, it, it kind of ties into this idea of no sacrifice, no victory. I mean, do you want that nice beach body? Okay. You gotta like put the carbs down and, and, you know, do some sit-ups and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's hard. The the, well, the day that yeah. you don't feel like going to the gym is the day that you have to go to the gym. Exactly. Because then every day it gets a little easier to not go to the gym. It gets a little bit easier to grab that second cookie, that extra piece of cake, all of those things. Like if you want good things to happen for you, you gotta, you know, unless you just win the lottery in which that's like one out of a hundred billion or whatever. Um, the, the things that, you want you you have to like work towards and it's not easy to get there like getting a college degree not easy like harrison you're going through yeah. this right now like you know what is getting that degree easy no it sucks and you know what like you've talked about it a lot how much time it takes like you had all these plans to release this episode or do this or do that you know there's so many things you've wanted to do with your show and school is getting in the way of it, but that's a sacrifice that you make because 
there is something on the other end of that that is worth it for you. There's a victory for you on the other end of that. Um, and, uh, you know, this is probably the line that's repeated the most throughout this series, and they they really go all in with it here. Um, and I think that's probably the most meaningful thing I found. I, I really love the way that you said that. My dad will be pleased as well as he, I mention him almost every single time I introduce Fallen. He always talked about finding the moral of the story and things. And something he frequently talks about to me, especially right now as I'm going to school, is recognize that this is a period of your life where you're going to have to sacrifice. You know, you're, you're, you might drive on tires that are a little extra bald or whatever, you, 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 what, and so on and so forth. You know, be it time, money, resources, whatever. Going to school is difficult. It's a sacrifice. And that's not the only sacrifice people it makes. But he, that is something that he mentions, and it's you're connecting with what he's saying with, with the theme in the movie and, and the legitimacy of that, that, like, everything worthwhile is something that you do sacrifice for. Like, I, I think that we, we, especially as adults, we become so accustomed to sacrifice. Like, even the two of you I'm thinking about, like, you are willing to sacrifice your time to watch this ridiculous movie and stay up late and talk to me about it. And I would hope that there's some reward in it. Um, it you know, like, we, we sacrifice for so much. And I think it's interesting that... that I, this Here's the thing that I'm kind of taking away. It's like, actually, you add some type of application. It's kind of combining the two things of of everything in our life leads up to this one moment. And without sacrifice, there can be no victory. Um. I think a lot of us are already sacrificing and a lot of us are in the moment not realizing how everything has led us to right now. And I want to add mentally more power to those moments that I'm in, whatever they are, and to recognize sacrifices that I'm already making to recognize the victory that is there because of what I'm already sacrificing, because of what has led me to this moment, because of the moment that I'm in and recognizing the power of the moment. Because I think that you know, while to some extent, yeah, we do need to learn to sacrifice more for the victory. I think sometimes we sacrifice and then don't receive the victory because we just don't recognize it. At least that's something that I'm experiencing lately. Um, so yeah, that's, I had no idea that I would actually have a legitimate application that I'm going to be thinking about over the next week with Transformers last night, but the power of friendship. So next time you go to sit down and study for a, a class that you don't enjoy, that's not any fun, you can just no sacrifice, no victory. Exactly. Crack them books. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You should write that like on your wall, like wherever you sit to study. Just write no sacrifice, no victory. Like write it a hundred times like a crazy person. I have a um, like the, my tablet that I use for school that I take notes on and stuff like that. And I do all my homework on. I'm going to change the background to Ooh, no sacrifice, no victory. <laughs> <laughs> um, legitimately, I will I'll send a screenshot to you guys when I do. <laughs> 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 um i'm looking forward to that yeah so okay wow pretty substantial stuff here that i i am surprised uh for this movie i i will say my opinion of it has as we go into the next segment and reveal it ron in fact let's just re reveal it ron here and give our ratings um my opinion of it has stayed the same but i am what what, what can i say I am calling attention to the things that don't work more than I would normally. And it's not because I'm in denial. It's just because when I watch this movie, I don't care. Like, I know they don't work, and they're going in one ear and out the other. And the things that work are what's sticking. And, and in this conversation, I'm recognizing the legitimacy of the complaints. You know, like when something, you just really like something, it's hard to recognize why people don't. I was kind of in that camp with this movie, and I felt dumb for being in that camp. So now I feel less dumb. I feel more validated <laughs> in my feelings that this is a dumb movie and I just like it. And, and I'm okay with that. 
So, um, Rob, we'll have you go first since this is your first time seeing the movie. Matt, we guessed you were going to be rotten, so we'll have you go last. So, Rob and then myself. You're rating out of five reels. Yeah. So, you know, kind of touching on some other things. I this is a movie I should rate worse than I than I probably do. But again, just I don't care enough about what I'm watching to really hate it as much as I probably should. Um, and that's just based on my one experience with it um, on a subsequent rewatch, which I would struggle to understand why I would do. I might, it might actually go down, but for me, it's, it's one and three quarters of a reel. It's not the worst movie I've seen even this year. Um, it's not the worst movie I've, re- I've been on a review for, um, but it just doesn't work. It's, it's not largely enjoyable to me in most cases. Um, the parts that are enjoyable are bookended by nonsense. Um, so it's one and three quarters of a reel. It for me to go all the way to one and a half or one reel is is spectacular garbage that I'm not sure this quite gets to the depths of. Understandable. I, I can agree with that there. Um okay. Matt. Um oh no, I'm going next. Sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. Oh. Uh, I got my, my order mixed up. I am trying to look at my other ratings here and see where this fits. And I am going to confidently say that this movie is uh, three and a half. Only because I rated Dark of the Moon a three, and this is a slight bit better than Dark of the Moon, at least enjoyment-wise. It is one of those movies that, like, I know I'm going to look like an absolute buffoon. <laughs> Matt is uh, <laughs> censored right now, if you were watching the video version. Uh, so, yeah, th- three and a half. Be- and-, and here's the thing. I recognize I'm going to, this is going to go on my letterbox, and I'm going to put- have to put three and a half stars. And people are going to look at that and think, is this guy mad? And I'm going to say, <laughs> yes because i enjoy this movie and it's dumb and it doesn't work and you are all right it really is stupid but i like i'm having fun i i am a child in a sandbox playing with toys and from the outside i just like a, look like a kid with sand in every crevice of my body and extremely uncomfortable but i'm having the time of my <laughs> life so just let me have my playtime. uh yeah three and a half so rob or sorry i keep mixing up your names what the heck like <laughs> as if i don't know you matt what is your rating and uh, do you need some negative reels so no i i do not need negative reels <laughs> um but to me this should be if anybody remembers the great landfill find of et this sh- <laughs> this sh- this should be the next one um <laughs> years and years from now keep the steel book throw the movie in years from now they should dig up a landfill and find hundreds of thousands of copies of this Blu-ray DVD <laughs> just buried in the ground. Um, but I really contemplated giving this zero. Um, that's how much I dislike this movie. However, I will stick with my original rating at a half of a reel. Um, there's honestly no reason I would ever watch this movie again. Um, yeah, I, it bothers me on a lot of levels. So it's, it's a half. <laughs> Is that lower than what you gave Catwoman? I'm trying to remember. What did you give Catwoman? 
Oh, a five. um no i think i gave catwoman a one because i at least understand that that's stupid and the the stuff that they do in that is stupid this for me this is lower than that because like at least catwoman i can watch and be entertained like this again this movie just gives me too much whiplash It, it just for me, it cannot decide what it wants to be more so than the other movies where it wants to be. This is the one where the comedy with the seriousness just falls flat for me, at least in some of the other ones. The comedy still works. Um, yeah, this is just too much of a tonal shift in between every scene, not even from shot to shot. The scene itself is a tonal shift throughout the entire movie with what it wants to be. Um, and for whatever reason with this one, um, I, I just can't look past it. I don't know why, because I'm willing to look past it with a lot of other movies and movies in this franchise. Um, this one, I just can't do it. That's like a new, I think that's a record low. I think this is the lowest film you've ever done a review for then. Yeah, it it would be. So Harrison, I'm sorry. But <laughs> hey, you have nothing to apologize for. You were nice enough to sit here and not only watch the movie, but then talk to me about it. And uh, this was a longer episode, too. So you're really invested. You really sacrificed a lot of time. And I have absolutely <laughs> no idea what victory you're getting out of this. <laughs> well, I got to spend time with two very good friends again, which is is more than enough for me to to watch this movie. Well, good. But uh D- don't ever ask again. <laughs> but <laughs> might be the end of a friendship. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, be like, I'll be like, new phone. Who does? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, obviously, huge thanks to both Matt and Rob for sitting here and, and joining me on this. I knew that this was going to be the movie that maybe broke the camel's back, but they'll just have to get me back in some way and ask me to watch something ridiculous like. I don't know. Something ridiculous. I'm trying to think of something and I can't. Um, I I realized that I kind of did myself did that to myself with this series, but it was a lot of fun either way. So thanks for enjoying the Transformers series with us. Before we go, Matt and Rob want to give you guys a chance to talk about uh, things that are going on. If you are, before I give them a chance, if you're listening to this and you want more of what we're talking about, uh, you can look forward to some episodes coming out on How to Train Your Dragon here at the Basement Binge that the three of us recorded at the beginning of this year. And because of the sacrifices, because I'm going to keep using that word I had to make, those were not will not be released until now, which is a bummer, but those are exciting. Also, at Magos the Movies, we did a review on Prey for Matt's show, on currently on Hulu. And that was a lot of fun. And we had much more positive things to say about that movie than this. So if you need a little optimism after this, Find Matt, goes to the movies, wherever you podcast, and listen, pray. But Matt and Rob, the floor is yours. Talk about anything happening at uh, Matt goes to the movies. Uh, well, uh, I am currently in, in the midst. Just some work things have come up. I was hoping to already have um, my reviews for Nope, uh, for Lightyear, um, already posted. Um, I have not been able to get those ready, but those are coming soon. Um, also, Bullet Train, uh, I was able to go see that, so that will be coming on Matt Goes to the Movies, which I'm excited about. And then recently, we just, yeah, we uploaded Prey, which is, oddly enough, um, well, I mean, not for me, because 
you know, we all loved it, but it is the most successful launch in the history of Hulu. Really? Ever. Yes. Wow. They have released num- uh, numbers on it. Um, it is the most watched original content in Hulu, and that includes movie and TV shows that they have produced. So it's the most wow. successful thing they have ever done. So uh, if we were wondering how would we rate uh, a sequel coming out, I would think that they would be dying to make a sequel to this based on the initial numbers. So, uh, yeah, th- those new reviews coming for Matt Goes to the Movies, uh, excited to bring those. Like I said, a couple of them are a little bit behind schedule for what I wanted, but those will be coming out. And then I am going to say, Rob, uh, the only other movie that I have rated, we we haven't talked about it, that I've ever rated um, as low as the last night is Resident Evil, the final chapter. I also gave that a half star Ooh. on my letterbox review. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the not good. I'm curious, Rob, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just for the sake of it. And also because I, I haven't mentioned it for the sake of comparison, what rating off the top of your head would you give the last Jedi? As you like to slam that all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, that's negative. Uh, yeah, it's it's like half a real. Okay. It's half. It's there's there's so many things, I, and yet it's still better than the Attack of the Clones. <laughs> yeah, Attack of the Clones is. I, I think the Ewok Christmas special is better than, <laughs> than Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's that's pretty much as low as it gets. Um, sorry to interrupt you though. You can say whatever you were going to. No, I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna recommend if listeners would like to check out more. Uh, certainly with uh, Jurassic World Dominion making it to streaming very soon. Um, you can check out the entire review of the Jurassic series, both Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Harrison was nice enough to join us uh, for a couple of those. That is streaming over on the Matt Goes to the Movies channel. And be sure to look out for the next series we're going to tackle. Uh, we're going to do Jason Bourne starting uh, basically when we wrap up the Transformer series. Uh, we're going to likely transition over to Jason Bourne. And uh, I've not seen most of that series. Really? So, um, I've said this, most of it I've not seen. I've only seen the first one confidently. Oh. Um, and, I, and I've talked about this a lot. But one of my favorite things about uh, doing reviews for a podcast is it gives me an excuse to go watch things that I've been meaning to get to but haven't or revisit something that i just i wouldn't normally make the time for um and it's it's really uh it's really a lot of fun to kind of have an excuse to rewatch something and sometimes come away with a different opinion i think a great example of that for both matt and myself was matrix reloaded um we both came away from that with very different opinions on that what we'd previously held going into it so uh yeah those are all great shows go check those out watchmen was like that for me too uh, me as well. Yeah, that's the other one that I can think of that uh, I came away with very different opinion than I went into it. And and Harrison, just so you know, you can go watch the movie The Black Phone because it just released on Peacock. I am too scared. <laughs> 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 I'm not even gonna shy away from that. I listened to your uh, episode on that, which was a fantastic episode. Um, it gave me everything I wanted to know. That uh, I am right in being too scared, and also gave me all the highlights. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I think my life is complete without. It. <laughs> Maybe that's how they'll get me back. They'll like tie me to a chair. I don't know how they're going to tie me. They live in a different state, but 
One of these days. When you, <laughs> when you come visit us, that's going to be... It'll torture <laughs> me about making me watch horror movies. Right? <laughs> yeah. you, you have to watch the Saw film followed by House of Wax. Oh, God. Oh. Ooh, House... <laughs> that would probably you know what that would probably be a zero re- that would probably be a zero reels for me house of wax yeah i don't even yeah. know what that is so um here's what you need to know paris hilton is in it yeah. that's all you're gonna say <laughs> that, that's she, yeah she's and, and she's the that was a casting decision they made and she's the main she's one of the main stars interesting like it, it's Oh, I'm going to go watch it right now. <laughs> well, confirmation. Matt is a madman. Um, awesome. Well, thank you both for being here. I'm excited for Bumblebee when we get to that. And uh, also excited for Jason Bourne. Other things happening. I don't know when the next things are happening in Disney+. Plus. I know we got She-Hulk coming up and or. Six, six days for, well, I mean, the time frame that we're in right now. Uh, five days for She-Hulk. Oh, that soon? Didn't realize it was yeah, that soon. August, August 18th, She-Hulk releases on Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, keep your eyes in ears peeled. I don't know if either of us are planning on doing anything for that, but we may or may not be, so subscribe to find out if we will or won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, th- thank you again, Matt and Rob. This has been a blast. I appreciate the two of you staying up late and talking to me about a glorious movie and uh, making this lots of fun. So, um, once again... Check out Matt Goes to Movies wherever you get podcasts. Everything links below. Leave reviews. Send us emails. All those wonderful things. And then uh, we will see you or hear you. You will hear us on the next episode. (laughs) My brain is tired. I got to go finish packing. This is The Basin Binge. My name is Harrison. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.